Dana White's podcast uh, called Full Send was taken down by YouTube after they had a guest. The thing that was weird about it was uh, the guest knew that it was probably going to happen. And actually, so did the host. But Dana White and his crew uh, had about uh, 6 million views in a very, very short period of time. Unfortunately, the guest they had is someone Alphabet, the parent company of YouTube, doesn't like. The guest was this guy. And you know that when he goes on anything that big tech doesn't like, and they see it becomes popular, well, guess what? They have a tendency to want it edit and remove and cancel anything that has to do with him. I'm Mike of New York. We'll try and get as much of this out there, but I'm wondering, if I start posting this interview, will my podcast also be taken down? Well, that's what a lot of people warn. You know, if you do the Donald, guess what? Big Tech and that whole scene will take you down. Here's what Donald said about it, first of all. When it, it's a it, test for everybody. There'll be a small group of people. This interview will have millions and millions of people, assuming it's not touched. Let's see if they allow you. I hate to say this to you because you guys are going to check it out, I, I guarantee. We don't check it out, Don. If you put up this whole thing, watch. We don't check it out, Don. If you, <laughs> no, Don, we don't check it out. Up, you, right now. you don't check it out? Don, we don't check ready? it out. Ready? You ready? If you put up this whole interview, let's see what happens when Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of them yeah. take it down. And let's see what happens when they threaten you and all that. Because we don't... Well, it happened. He was right uh, a little while ago. Indeed, they'll be a small baby. They'll be a small. They cancel it, but you know that's just part of the way things are these days. Unfortunately, big tech just does not want to hear anything that doesn't flow with their narrative, their mind, free speech, equal access for all, just does not apply to Donald Trump and the Republican Party and conservatives, and so. Google and Alphabet took down something. Here's what uh, his reaction was on Hannity when he called in after uh, it happened. Live on the phone, the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. By the way, I, I noticed you got canceled again today, and you may not know it yet, but you were on the Full Send podcast for an hour. Uh, you made them number one on all of YouTube podcasts. You reached over six, nearly six million views, and then immediately YouTube removed the video. Uh, I, I guess if your name's Donald Trump, you get canceled. If you're an Ayatollah in Iran and you threaten to wipe Israel off the map, you don't get canceled. Maybe you could explain that to me. Well, it's the Nelk boys that I was asked to do that by a tremendous guy named Dana White. You know Dana White of UFC, and he said, would you oh, yeah, do an guy. interview with them? And they're hot as a pistol, and they have, like, I guess the top show or something. And so I did it, and it was we had a lot of fun. It was a half hour or so, and it became uh, very much a sensation. I guess they had six million hits in a very short period of time. It was the number one they've ever done. And then I told them, I said, don't worry, it'll be taken down because I'm doing it. It'll be taken down. We talked about very good things, and we talked about a lot of policy, good policies, including energy independence and all of that. And uh, I just heard a little while ago they got taken down. This is not a free press. Big tech is a disaster. And our country is a much different place. What they're doing is really terrible. 
This is what they do in Russia. You know, if you look at Russia, Russia doesn't know. The people in Russia, they don't even know that they're fighting a war with Ukraine because they have no press. But we don't have a press either. We don't have a press either where they can do that. We had a very good conversation. Four young guys, great people, great, and, you know, hot show. Dana White only knows about hot. And uh, <laughs> this was the best I see that's basically what, what uh, as Donald said, that's that's what happens. Now, of course, you can find it on Rumble, Vimeo, and other platforms. So, you know, the whole purpose of banning something uh, just turned it completely down. So there is, of course, Truth Social, uh, which is Donald Trump's new social media platform, and that has been growing by leaps and bounds. So has uh, sites like uh, Getter. And Parler uh, are all growing tremendously. Now I'm going to put a link in the in the uh, in the show notes so uh, you can see exactly how and where to to get to this. But like I said, uh, we don't know. You know, I've been noticing my podcast basically not growing and always going down, even though more people are playing it. It's just not coming in in the meters. It's just not doing anything. And some people are saying, you know, the same thing that's happening to people like Donald Trump and people that, you know, in other platforms are probably happening to your podcast and other things. Because I get thousands of messages, dozens of emails, people telling me how, you know, they like the show or did this, or did that. And yet it seems Spotify just does not want you to be on there if you are someone who has conservative views. You know, this whole theory that that uh, some executive order allowed them to have, you know, uh, and exceed the, uh, the uh, you know, consent of the governed uh, and, and, and not be allowed to, to express things is really, 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 uh, you know, uh, disconcerting to many people because, you know, there's something really fundamentally wrong when private sector takes precedent over the constitution and that is just completely wrong you know shadow banning someone because of their political views across multiple platforms that express to be platforms that are out to just allow people to express themselves and communicate and do things uh you know that's just wrong on so many levels I would probably be acting the same way if, for example, they would ban Hillary Clinton or they would ban somebody else. You know, that that's just, that's not, that's un-American, you know? And that is something that just should not be allowed. It's just something that should not be consented to. And you know what? It does not work. I remember a long time ago, there was a movie that happened to be the story, even though it was made up, even though it was hyped, and even though there were so many things about it, there was a story uh, that was in a movie called, uh, it was written in the stars, or basically, uh, in, in another language, it was called Yiruitmantanhana, or it means faith was put together, uh, and it allowed something to happen or something along those lines. It, 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 was, it, was, it was laid out by faith or the path of faith or, or destiny, basically, is what it was talking about. Um, and because the movie happened to talk about a political figure in the Philippines, uh, 
uh, one who later on became very unpopular with some people, uh, but remains popular with others, even though uh, I guess it's more those who are in the unpopular side that uh, that that uh, gained control in the end and ousted them from power. His name was Ferdinand Marcos. And basically what they're doing to, you know, to Trump is something that for a long time they, they actually were able to do. They banned uh, interviews on, on radio and TV after he was deposed. But this was even before he, he gained power. And they, they banned his movie, you know. Uh, and there's, there's a little personal family history in this thing because my dad was running the, the uh, what was the, uh, what was the thing? He, he was uh, running this uh, poll in the Philippines called Robot Statistics with some other people. And they saw how popular the movie was. And, you know, they told the, uh, the, the Philippine president at the time, well, you know, this is what's happening. This movie's really, really popular. And so they actually went to court and, uh, or, or an executive order was issued or something. They said, well, this is electioneering. This is election propaganda. It shouldn't be allowed to be seen. And they banned it. And the other side went to court and said, well, that's unconstitutional. You can't ban a movie. It's a movie. You know, it's it's a it's a work of art. It's it's a freedom of expression. It's freedom of speech. Well, later on, of course, the other guy when he came to power, Marcos came to power. He years later became a dictator, and uh, you know he also banned free speech and did things that were that were bad. But in that particular instance, that grew his popularity. So what I'm trying to say is, big tech by banning Donald Trump, by hitting shows of Dana White, by going after people like Joe Rogan, by bashing away conservatives, by not allowing coverage of the uh, of, of, of the freedom convoy in Canada, by uh, you know the, the, the likewise the the, 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 the truckers uh, route route here in the United States not being allowed to be covered as well. All you're doing is hurting yourselves because in the long run, People are upset whenever something is banned. You know, let people decide. That is completely un-American to ban somebody for whatever views there are. If you didn't ban it, people wouldn't even know it existed. You know? And like some people say, wine may be... (laughs) Uh, wine may be uh, cheaper than gasoline nowadays in California. You sure need to drink it if you live in that state. And uh, it's just kind of weird as you see this thing. Uh, hmm. Well, it's just it's just something that one wonders about and one thinks about. And one hopes changes because it is so ironic when liberals play these games and expect to be called liberals. It's just wrong. It's completely wrong. Uh, you know. It is just unacceptable. 
We'll be back with more in a bit. I'm Mike of New York. If you thought that was bad enough, that there is this strange set of funded experiments about supposed labs that are dealing with biological substances that the Pentagon says were there to deal with leftover Russian weapons from the Cold War in Ukraine. But meanwhile, CNN comes out and says, no, that, that was there for doing research on disease uh, and creating viruses uh, to be able to create vaccines. That even makes things even weirder. So first, let's let's raise this issue. You know, uh, it was Tucker Carlson who raised it earlier tonight, and then I'm going to go somewhere else, and we're going to listen to something else as to who started all this. Essentially, what has come out is that yes, indeed, there were U.S. funded labs in the Ukraine, and uh, some of these are for medical research. Some of them were to study uh, uh, leftover items of uh, chemical and biological warfare that were used by the former Soviet Union that the Russians may have now. Uh, in in, uh, in their stockpiles, and, and this is something that indeed needs to be looked into as to uh, what exactly is going on. Let's listen to what Tucker had to say about this. As for the first question, what exactly is going on in these labs? We've gotten several answers, all of them insulting. Initially, the administration claimed that the labs were designed to help the Ukrainians fight tuberculosis, as well as various livestock diseases. That's what officials told members of Congress. It didn't seem plausible, and in fact, it's not plausible. And then after our show last night, the Pentagon released what it non-ironically called a fact sheet designed to make the biolab story seem small and ridiculous. Virtually every news organization in America, with almost no exceptions, repeated the administration's claim verbatim with no verification of any kind. Foreign Policy Magazine ran this version of it, which was identical to many other versions you saw if you followed the news today. Quote, fact check. DOD has worked with Ukraine to eliminate, in all caps, bioweapons left behind by the Soviet Union since 2005, said a senior U.S. defense intelligence official. But these are not, again, in all caps, weapons labs, as Russians falsely claim, the official said. The Washington Post assured us of the same thing. So did countless other so-called news organizations. Okay, so no big deal. This is not actually a story. The Pentagon's been doing it since 2005, working with Ukrainians to, quote, eliminate biological weapons left behind by the Soviets. That makes sense. But wait, 2005 was 17 years ago. How long does it take to eliminate Soviet bioweapons? 17 years seems like a long time. If you had 17 years and ample funding from Congress, you could probably remove and catalog every grain of sand on Waikiki Beach. And yet somehow over that same period, 17 years, the Pentagon has not finished removing test tubes from Soviet-era freezers. How does that work exactly? How heavy are these bioweapons? Do we lack the transportation capacity to get them out of Ukraine and bury them in the desert in Nevada? When was the Pentagon planning to finish this important job? In 20 years? In 50 years? Those all seem like very obvious questions. But not a single reporter asked any of those questions. Meanwhile, over at CNN, perhaps aware that the first explanation didn't make sense once you thought about it, offered a new alibi. According to CNN's website, the labs in Ukraine exist to, quote, secure old Soviet weapons. Okay, secure, not eliminate. Which raises the question, what does it mean to secure a bioweapon? 
And again, why has it taken 17 years to do it? And by the way, if these are really just old Soviet weapons, why is Toria Newland so worried they'll wind up in the hands of old Soviets who presumably already have these very same weapons? Probably don't need more. It's absurd when you think about it. So don't think about it. And that was the point of today's coverage of the Biden administration's secret Ukrainian biolabs. Stop thinking about it. Start accepting what they tell you at face value. Otherwise, you are an agent of Russia. You're CNN. So basically, Tucker Carlson is playing the CNN report that uh, came out on the uh, uh, 24th uh, of, uh, of March. Uh, basically, uh, you know, Russia 24, 2015 is, is what this is talked about. And, and they're showing this lab, which is in Ukraine. Uh, apparently, from from the uh, visuals that are being presented, and how it's uh, studying things, but not what the Pentagon says it's studying. And you know, CNN is basically the you know the, basically the the, uh, the 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 rap sheet right now of uh, of the uh, administration in uh, the United States. Essentially, anything Jen Psaki wants put out, it goes out on CNN. The foreboding music. Biohazard warnings. This Russian state media footage from 2015 claims to show America running facilities in Ukraine and Georgia that caused deadly outbreaks of disease and killed local livestock. This story is false, but that has not stopped it continuing to circulate, evolving from biological hazards to biological weapons and becoming a key part of Russia's disinformation campaign justifying the invasion of Ukraine. The claims were debunked several years ago when, in 2020, the United States issued a statement to, quote, set the record straight, explaining the facilities are, in fact, for vaccine development and to report outbreaks caused by dangerous pathogens before they pose security or stability threats. So essentially, CNN is saying that these were to deal with vaccines, viruses, prevent outbreaks. <sighs> And they're quoting the United States State Department. They're not quoting the Pentagon. So what is up here? Why is there so many stories coming out about this with denials, but with different reasons for those denials? That even makes it more disconcerting and more problematic for many people around the world. Then you get this. I mean, you know, it just does not stop giving. The mistakes just keep happening. What on earth are they? If you thought it couldn't get any worse, then think again. Because if there's only one thing that the Biden administration has proven, especially that, they can make it worse. You see, it turns out that uh, there were indeed funding released for these labs. And it happened when Joe Biden was vice president, was in charge of Ukraine, and there was a lot of political corruption going on in the country at that time. We're not talking about now. We're talking about back then. This was in 2010. Here's Natalie Winters talking to former Trump cabinet member and now uh, show host Sebastian Gorka 
uh, on the program America First. You, you can listen to the full thing. We're, we're just going to play a little bit of what Natalie has to say about this. So much um, propaganda, misinformation, disinformation on the war in Ukraine from both sides, and that's what happens in war. But one of the most uh, unusual stories is the bioweapons labs, and that Putin is targeting these because they're about to be used to attack Russia. We have your piece from last night that actually gives some interesting details going back to the Obama administration. Exclusive deleted web pages show Obama led an effort to build a Ukraine-based bio lab handling, quote, especially dangerous pathogens. Natalie, tell us what you found on these, quote, unquote, deleted web pages. Sure. So there have been some rumblings about the existence of these bio labs all across Ukraine. And my interest was certainly piqued um, because I was curious, especially coming on the heels of COVID-19, why the really, I guess, the medical industrial complex aided and abetted by all their uh, counterparts in the swamp would want to be sending U.S. taxpayer dollars to construct research facilities in Ukraine, given its location and proximity to Russia. Um, but I, I guess, honestly, I was sort of blown away by this story. But uh, it turns out that all the way back, you can trace it back to 2005, it was actually none other than not just the former president, but the former senator, Barack Obama, who spearheaded the effort to actually construct a biolab facility, a BSL-3, which is one of the highest ranking facilities in the entire country, uh, in the port city of Odessa. So just to kind of give a brief rundown on what the biolab situation is in Ukraine, there are about 4,000 uh, biolaboratory-like facilities that exist and operate in Ukraine. Only two of them um, have the classification and really the clearance to work with the second and first level of pathogen, the first being the most dangerous. Uh, for reference, think about the kind of pathogens that they were working with at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's the first pathogen level. So of those two labs of the 4,000 that exist in Ukraine, it was Barack Obama and one other senator from uh, Indiana who actually helped ink a memorandum of understanding between the U.S. Department of Defense and their Ukrainian counterparts to construct this lab. Now, let, let, me, let me just read. Let yeah. me just read for you. So, so she's, she's actually got the screenshots. She's got the original reporting here. Uh, this is. I remember when this happened. This was the non Luger uh, Act. It was um, Senator Dick Luger, and here's just a sentence from the uh, article that you wrote last night. Luger said plans for the facility began in 2005 when he and then Senator Barack Obama entered a partnership with Ukrainian Ukrainian officials. Why in Ukraine? I mean, every nation, I mean, I've discussed the bioweapons uh, treaty from 1972 at the beginning of our show. Every nation has the right to defend themselves and research weapons that could be used against them. The, the treaty says you can't develop offensive bioweapons capabilities. Have you detected anywhere in your research why on God's green earth America would be involved in supporting a lab in Ukraine of all places? Not at all, but I think you can really kind of find the, I would say, subtle admission of guilt and the cover-up attempts that we found. So that article that you're actually reading from has since been deleted since it was originally posted in 2010. The only way we were able 
to access it is because actually a U.S. Air Force magazine, uh, a quarterly journal that they put out, cross-posted the article, so we were able to access an archive of it. Um, but I think the question that you asked, you know, I feel like I was just on your program not too long ago, and you were asking why would we ever be funding research of the Chinese Communist Party yeah. in Wuhan? So it's it's the same question. It's so basically, again, if you thought it could not get any worse. The Biden administration sends in Kamala Harris. Please, you know, sometimes we really, really, really need to pray for this country because those left in charge are making things so bad. Now, the last time Kamala Harris went to Europe, she was there to try and defuse and end this crisis in Ukraine. It has since become a full-blown war. Well, now she got on stage and she was asked some questions about refugees and began uncontrollably laughing, cackling. Nobody understands why. Some people are wondering, is she medicated? Does she abuse some kind of substance? Was she drinking too much? Is she, uh, you know into Nancy Pelosi's stash? Who knows? Zelensky's former press secretary tweets and then deletes message saying it be a tragedy if Kamala Harris becomes president after laughing during press conference. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's former press secretary Yulia Mendel tweeted, then quickly deleted a post saying it would be a tragedy if Vice President Kamala Harris became president came after Harris laughed and deflected her way through a joint press conference with Polish President Andrzej Duda on Thursday when asked about a defunct warplane deal and the Ukrainian refugee crisis. It would be a tragedy if this woman won the presidency, Mandel, who serves Ellen Sky's administration from June 2019 until July 2021 wrote on Twitter before quickly deleting the post Harris inappropriately laughed when a reporter asked her and President Duda about the refugee crisis. Harris said through giggles, a friend in need is a friend indeed, and turned to have Duda answer the question. She receives backlash for the inappropriate moment of laughter, which has become common for Harris. Ukrainian-born GOP representative Victoria Sparks tweeted Thursday, VP Harris, this very serious situation requiring action, not a laughing matter. Harris and Duda held a joint press conference in Warsaw, Poland on Thursday as the Russian attack on Ukraine entered its 15th day and forces closed. And on Give Duda said the situation regarding the proposed plan to send warplanes to Ukraine is extremely complicated. Well, okay, you know, the, the automated reader there is, is what I put in so that, you know, uh, the emphasis would be pretty much plain and simple, and, and you begin to get the picture. But the, the issues uh, uh, about, you know, laughter have, have also come up with, with uh, places like Afghanistan, where Harris was also the point person. The border, where Harris was also the point person. And, you know, she, she basically just seems to, to have this, this giggle, giggle fits, you know, uh, whenever this stuff happens. And, uh, you know, it, it just seems very, very, very strange. Here's what went down. Slow down, everybody. <laughs> um, I want to talk about two things. First, Afghanistan. Uh, that, you know, everything becomes a laughing matter. And, uh, you know, that why isn't everybody else laughing is something that, that uh, has people very, very upset. You know, 
uh, where, where she does. And, and she did it again. Kamala Harris continues to cop a lot of backlash for not visiting the border. The Biden administration has been facing a surge in migrants flocking to the US-Mexico border since he took office. The VP has now gone almost 100 days without visiting the border, despite President Biden naming her the top person in charge of addressing the crisis. Republicans have been criticizing the Biden administration, arguing it does not take the crisis seriously. So basically, that's the issue. Uh, whatever seems to be handled by Kamala Harris is, uh, you know, uh, she, she has become the master of disaster. You know, she has become someone who, who, who tries to laugh off all these problems, uh, you know, uh, with with uh, with uh, with with just a laugh and a giggle and all that. And, and it is Willie Brown, her former boyfriend and mayor of San Francisco, who, who basically said this is the wrong person to pick as vice president. And, and, and he's someone who backed her career, helped her start, you know, got her uh, into, into politics uh, and, and, and other things. And, you know, beyond their personal relationship, which is independent of that issue. But Willie Brown, who was a very popular mayor in San Francisco, very popular leader of the Democratic Party, he himself got very, very concerned about her having, um, you know, that much power uh, without much, um, without much, uh, you know, uh, direct uh, experience in handling international issues and things. So, you know, it's it's become a, a major uh, thing. You know, she laughs about Afghanistan. Uh, they call her now Cackle Harris, uh, you know, the horse laugh, uh, you know, but, but the thing is, he who laughs last, laughs last, and it's just becoming a bad habit. Reporting that my colleague here in Poland noticed, he recently spoke with the mayor of the largest border town, who told him that the refugee system is essentially not set up for this, that it will collapse. It's an improvised system that can work for maybe two weeks, but not indefinitely. And I'm wondering what the United States is going to do more specifically to set up a permanent infrastructure. And relatedly, is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think, and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> First. Okay, so this time. So that that's basically it. I mean, you're, you're on stage with the president of Poland. There's two million refugees running out of a country that is called your friend, and you laugh like some clueless uh whatever. You know. I have called her an airhead. And, and I grew up around airheads. She went to school in California. Uh, you know, and, 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 and I remember a lot of women and men, young women and men who were like this, who would just be able to say a lot of things, even if it made no nonsense or laugh off things and, and, and just, you know, stumble along. But unfortunately, we can no longer allow this to happen. It's become too weird. And you know what? Please, it is enough already because there's nothing funny about what's happening, about the mistakes. It is time for serious people 
And let's face it, this administration is not taking anything seriously.